You're listening to audio from Kingsway Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit kingswaychurch.org. Good morning, Kingsway family. If you wonder why I'm up here again, (laughs) it's because our lead pastor has a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and decided to extend this out another week, our prayer series, and because he also is a man that is not interested in his own glory, but God's glory. My friend and our outreach pastor, Kyle Krober, sent me this picture from Ireland where a team is and we should continue to pray for. Uh, he sent me this picture of a sheep. I don't know if you saw that or not. And that sheep reminded me of the story of Peter, Jesus' closest friend when he was on earth. And... Uh, He found out that Jesus knew him better than he knew himself. He claimed that he'd never fail the Lord. He wouldn't deny the Lord. And as you know, three times he denied the Lord. And the Lord came to him. And the Lord did what he wants to do and maybe he's doing for you is that he restored him. Because you know what? You restore what you value. I want you you to know every one of you today is valuable to Jesus. David said this, He said, he rescued me because he what? He delighted in me. If you get nothing else out of this message today, I hope you leave knowing that Jesus delights in you. Peter said this, he said, above all else, number one thing, above all else, love each other superficially. Is that what it says? (laughs) Love each other how? Deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. It doesn't cover up, but it covers over. Last week I told you that sheep can't rest if one of four things is true. If you remember, if there is, do you remember any of them? Fear, if there's famine. And we said, give us this day our daily bread, or if there's friction. And you should have been praying this week, Father, Forgive us of our sins, for we forgive everyone who sins against us. Really? (laughs) Paul writes in the book of Colossians even more, he says, bear with each other and forgive each other, or forgive whatever grievances you have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness is Supernatural. I believe forgiveness is impossible, true forgiveness, without the grace of God and without understanding the cost that God gave to be able to forgive. I had a friend of mine who, uh, his father was a very evil man. He was into satanic worship, and his father hit on his wife. And his wife came under that spell. And when it came out, my friend and his wife met together with the pastor and he counseled him and he said, now you need to forgive and forget. And that was great counsel for my friend because that's the way he lived his life. He just buried everything. But it didn't bear very good fruit in his life. His marriage ended and it wasn't very good in his family. So it's very important. James says not many of you should be teachers. For teachers will be held in stricter judgment. So I want to pray right now. 
for God to really speak through me and speak to you on this very difficult topic of forgiving. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray today that my tongue would be a skilled pen, moving at the impulse of the Holy Spirit as your word flows through me, Father. I pray today as I sat in my room and thought about how the sun melts the ice, I was praying that you would melt the hearts of many of us today. That those that come today that are brokenhearted, you would minister to them. Those that are held captive, you would set free. Those who are blind, you would open their eyes. Those who need to be unwrapped would begin to become unwrapped. Those, Lord, who feel like they're in a grave, that they're without hope, that they would find hope. And they would find Jesus to be their refuge, to be their fortress, that you, Lord, would become their all in all. So we just ask, God, that you minister to the hearts of people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, again, this is a prayer, is a family prayer. Listen to what he says to me and you and to his disciples. He says in the Gospel of Luke, if your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you, how many times? In a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. How many of you grew up in a home where that was practiced? How many of you practice it in your home today? How many of you practice it in the church? That was difficult to do. And I believe that we really find out how poorly often we handle conflict and we handle forgiving each other and how poorly we can love is oftentimes when we first get married. I heard of a guy that he came to the preacher after a few weeks of marriage and said, this marriage stuff isn't working like it's supposed to, preach. He said, what's the matter? He said, it's bringing out the worst in us. He said, it's working just like it's supposed to. He bring it out. We struggle with trying to deal with teenagers. We struggle when we try to deepen our relationships within the church. Scripture says, listen to what it says to us husbands. Husbands, love your wives and do not become bitter against them. I would ask you men today, do you have any resentment? Do you hold any, any grievance? Got any bitterness against your wife? Wives, do you have any against your husband? Do you have any against a parent? Do you have any against a child? Do you have any against a spiritual leader? Do you have any against anyone in this church? See, somebody said, it's like we do the porcupine dance. We come together when we get close, and we get close, our quills come out, and we, we go away from each other. And so often that, that seems to be true within the body. You see, when my wife and I got married, we didn't realize just how poorly we loved and how poorly we forgave one another. And it seemed like when we got married, it was like somebody said in a certain war that there was a city that, that was taken back and forth by each side 74 times. And that's what I felt like in my marriage. We came to the same place every time. Boom. 
boom, and never seem to be making any progress. Do you know what Satan's answer is to emotional pain? Self-protective pride. And the very nature of pride is you can't see it. And so we have blind spots in our lives and we need each other in our marriage to help each other. But what happens, I think, if two people have the same blind spot, and I see this a lot in marriages and in church, and so we need each other in the body to help each other in our stuck places. But unfortunately, what I find out is so many people want to live their family life in a bubble, even in the church. So we all come to church and we're all in bubbles. And my kids used to blow those bubbles. Remember them bubbles and big pop? And, I, and then those bubbles would come together sometimes and what would they do? That's what God wants us to do in this church, entangle our lives and pop each other's bubbles so we can deal with the things in our lives. Proverbs tells us something important. It says the purposes of a man or a woman's heart are deep waters, but the one who has insight draws them out. When you see an iceberg, where's the biggest part of the iceberg? It's down the bottom. That's where a lot of things in our lives are down in the bottom. That's why it's sad that we often have superficial relationships because no one wants to go to the deep waters. And that's why Jesus asked a question. And it's a question that reminded me of a detective that I grew up watching, and this will tell my age, his name was Columbo. Anybody ever remember Columbo? You thought he's the dumbest guy in the world, but he was brilliant. And Jesus asked a 38-year-old crippled man, do you want to get well? And I remember when I first read it, I went, duh. But it's the greatest question because not everybody wants to get well. You know, I don't like to get on scales and check my weight. That thing doesn't tell the truth. It lies. I want to put something over that thing. We don't like to face the truth sometimes. But listen, I was walking, the Holy Spirit just impressed on me this from my life and to tell you this truth. You will never give him glory until you know your story. Amen. You will never give him glory until you're in touch with your story. Jesus said something pretty difficult. He's telling a story about a man who was forgiven a great de a debt, and then another man who didn't owe him very much, wouldn't, didn't have it, and instead of releasing his debt, he began to choke him. Pay me what you owe me. Are you choking anyone today? And Jesus said something pretty incredible. It says that the king turned the man over, it put him in jail, put, turned him over to be tortured until he could pay the debt. And Jesus says remarkable words. He says, so will my father treat you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Wow. Listen, you cannot forgive from your heart until you get in touch with the pain in your heart. 
Why does Jesus want to turn us over? Is he cruel? Is he mean? No, he's the great physician. And he knows that we cannot love in our marriages, our children, our friends deeply as long as we have blocked arteries, as long as we got things. So he's going to allow stuff in my life, in your life. You may have physical problems. Now, not all physical problems come because you have sinned, though all comes from the fall, but it could be. You may have financial difficulties. You may have relational difficulties. I know people that jump from relationship to relationship, even within the church, some that just live in isolation. Why? Because they don't want to deal with what Jesus wants you to deal with. It was working once on my life and trying to get me to go deep, deeper. I was, uh, we, we met where I preached, we met in a community building for a while. And uh, we had a funeral, and I went out to ask the uh, maintenance guy if he would move his vehicle. Me, and I was out there with a buddy of mine, and he started cussing me out. And I walked away and went back into the building. And later, my friend came back and followed me, said, hey, what should leave me out there with him for? I said, I wasn't afraid of him. I was afraid of me. It wouldn't look good in the Sun commercial, preacher beats the tar out of a guy. <laughs> and I'm saying to Jesus, I don't think I could do this persecution stuff. If they slap me, I'm gonna slap them. Because I got stuff. And God was stirring in me to deal with that stuff that I got inside. And so I wanna ask you, if you wanna pray this prayer with me right now, of David, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Turn your spotlight on me, Lord. And if he does, what he'll begin to show is what this next verse says. It says, a brother or a child wronged or offended is more unyielding than a fortified city. What protected a city of old? A wall. You know what protects you when you grow up and you've been hurt and been hurt? Walls. My wife and I got married and we didn't know we had walls. And then we hurt each other, and now we had thicker walls. And then I went to a ministry where I was immature, and the leaders were spiritually immature, and then I had more walls. I remember one day when my wife and I moved to the ministry where we were at in Vincennes for almost 30 years, and she said, I keep having a dream that we're going to go back to our first ministry. And I said, that's not a dream, that's a nightmare. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't want to face those hurts. You have to see, why do I hold on to my wall? Why do I hold on to some of these resentments and grievances? Some of them I don't even realize because they're deeper than you know. We read in the scripture of an account where one brother took advantage of the other brother and deceived the father and Esau and Jacob and he stole the blessing. And afterwards, it says this, listen, Esau is consoling himself by plotting to kill you. What does it mean to console? 
He likes it. He's comforting himself. I may have shared with before, one time I was ministering to a, a woman whose uh, husband left her for another man. And she was bitter. And I appealed to her as I was counseling with her that she needed to walk through this and she needed to let Jesus help her release this. And she said to me, literally, Lyndon, she says, but I love it. Now, some of you may not do it that way, but secretly, I don't want to let go. It's all I got. I don't want to let go. Then they're going to get away with it. What is it? Scripture says, have mercy on us, Lord, have mercy on us, for we have endured no end of contempt, for we endured no end of ridicule from the arrogant of contempt from the proud. Many of us in this room, many of you, may have endured much contempt, much ridicule from the proud. I read of a man who he didn't even know till later his name was not Jerk, because that's what his dad called him all the time. And when he started facing difficulties in raising his kids and his wife was kind of critical of the way he was doing things, he, his wall went up and he ran away because he had so much contempt because of he had received so much contempt. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to testify to the grace of God in my life and in my story. Six years ago, I went through one of the most darkest periods of my life. I would have been classified as chronically depressed. I got out of the ministry. God put me in a, a place. He brought me up here. My daughter was in the ministry at College Park and he put me in a missionary house and dealt with me, and guess what the name of the house was? The Delight House. God was still delighting in me. Even though looking back, I realized, and I want you to know that God was disciplining me severely, but he didn't give me over to death. God disciplines us because he delights in us, and sometimes he has to do a serious work. And it was a work that he was dealing on with me that I thought I'd already dealt with, but. You know, if you've ever had skin cancer, they have to go in there sometimes. My father-in-law has it, and they scrape out that, and then they have to go even deeper, making sure they get it all. And Jesus is like that. He loves us too much. He wants, he'll go deep. He'll cut some, he'll rest, he'll cut some, and that's where he took me to deal with me. Because years ago, I had remembered a memory that I had just blocked out that I didn't even think about, I buried it. It was a memory when I was nine or 10 years of age. My father as a pastor had invited a young man to work at camp with, and my father being naive allowed the young man to sleep in my bedroom. And the young man sought to harm me. I woke up, I woke up from screaming and the house woke up with screaming and the man was removed from our house but nobody ever talked to me about it. I was left by myself as a nine-year-old kid to figure out all the terror, all the anger, all the fear, all the confusion, and I buried it. And that day, unknowingly, I shut off my ears to the Holy Spirit. 
You know, bitterness will close your ears to the Holy Spirit. I didn't hear anything for a long time. You can bury that and bury that. And so in that house, and I had moments I was all by myself and it was two-story and I would sleep down in the dark at night and the memory and the vision that God would give me was a picture, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Max Licato has a book and it's a picture of a boy sleeping and the father is on his knees praying over him and there's a big angel. And that was what God was showing me, that he was my Abba Daddy, that he was praying for me as I slept and as he was dealing with what was inside of my heart and as he was pulling it out and as he's pulling it out, he was reminding me of layers. I had layers of hurt growing up. I can remember in school when I was in geography class and I was from Warsaw, Virginia and they said, anybody know where Warsaw is? And I said, I am from Warsaw, but it was Warsaw, Poland and they called me Polak. And I said, I will never talk in front of anyone again. <laughs> never, not doing it, God. <laughs> I remember when I was 13 years of age trying to be hip with the girls, had black glasses, and this girl looked at me and she goes, you are ugly. I wasn't just ugly on the outside anymore. I was ugly on the inside. I couldn't wait to get out of school. I remember one day I was dealing with some things and I was with a friend of mine and I was really hurting and I was really upset and I was really mad at God and I was crying out and I'm like, why don't you come down here? Why don't you endure ridicule? Why don't you suffer like I had to do as a kid unprotected at home and unprotected in school? And it was like the Holy Spirit said, I did. I was choking Jesus. And as I was in that house, I want you to know something God was showing me and I tell people this, God does not wanna re-victimize you. He wants to validate you. He wants to validate your pain and your tears and even your anger. I tell some people you're not angry enough. That's what he was doing for me. And he took me to the cross. You ever been there? He took me to the cross. And at the cross where Jesus is on the cross and a swollen face and spit running down his face and blood. And they marred it so bad you couldn't hardly recognize it. And he's sitting there and has such love for those that are abusing him. And I remember being there at that moment in that house at that moment going, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to give up my hard heart. I don't know if I want to follow you, Jesus. impossible without the help of God. It's a journey. I want you to know something. God loves to forgive more than you love to sin. 
Is that not good? And then Psalm 69, verse 33, I was reading this week, God does not despise his captive people. He knows you're stuck. He knows when you're mad at him, and he's not mad at you. He loves you. And I want you to understand something, that there is a difference. Letting go of resentment takes one, you. But a relationship takes two. And that takes the one that did the harm, admitting it, repenting of it, and then seeing if there's to be a relationship or not, and some may never. I went one couple, oh, it's been years ago, I took a group and we saw a young lady named Gianna. I don't know if you know about Gianna, but Gianna was the product of a Celine abortion, and she lived and was adopted. And I remember her story, and she said that she had forgiven and let go of the bitterness toward her birth mother, but she didn't care to have a relationship. She had one with her own mother who loved her and adopted her. And some people thought, that's terrible. And I say, no, it's not at all. It's not. I want you to know, is everybody gonna go to heaven? For God so loved the world, everybody's going to heaven, right? No, the Bible says you gotta repent. Not everybody. And so again, does God expect you to do what he won't do? He is not gonna bring everybody into his heaven, everybody into his home, unless he wants them, he longs for them, but without repentance, they won't be with him. That's the relational piece of it. One of my heroes, because again, we need each other to help each other to let go and to forgive is a woman that was named Corey Tinboom. Corey and her sister Bessie, they never married. Their dad, Papa Tinboom, they grew up in World War II time in Netherlands. And they had a comfortable life, and, a, and they, Papa was older, but they had a decision to make whether to hide the Jews or not. Knowing that if you hid them and you were caught, there could be severe consequences. It had been very easy to go, well, I'm old, I'm not gonna get involved. But Papa knew Jesus, and he taught his two girls to love Jesus, and they did get caught, and Papa, they were separated and he died in a hallway and buried in a pauper's grave. Corey and Bessie were in a concentration camp and Corey would have said the worst part was when they stripped us naked and the guards just Googling at us. And then to see her sister who was so sweet get beat out for doing nothing. And in the movie called The Hiding Place, Corey would hear Betsy would say, oh, Corey, don't hate. Don't hate, sis. And I would hear that myself. Don't hate, Lyndon. Don't hate. And when she got out of the prison camp, she went around telling their story and telling of God's love. And one day as she was telling the story, at the end of her story, the, a prison guard from that camp came up to her 
and stuck out his hand and said, I gave my life to the Lord. Corey, will you forgive me? Let me read what it says. I stood there, I whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me, it seemed like hours as I wrestled with that most difficult thing I ever had to do. I had to do it. I knew that forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. As she reached out her hand to the former guard, Corey says that something incredible took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I cried with all my heart. I had never known so love so intensely as I did then. But even then, I realized it was not my love. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul says in the book of Colossians, he says, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus said, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I always say you are either being overcome by evil or you're overcoming evil. Where are you today? And you can't without the Holy Spirit's help. And I want you to know I, with the psalmist, say, praise God, Satan did not get the victory over me. But my Jesus is righteous and he has cut me free from the cords of the wicked. And I'm here to testify to that. When Jesus healed a man who was crippled, he said, take up your mat and walk. Why did he say, take up your mat and walk? Because that mat used to carry him and now he carries it. So God means for you to have your story in order to give him glory of the work that he's done in your life. In the Gospel of John, we read these words. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And you can't love without forgiving. Where are you at today? In your spiritual temperature, in your spiritual journey. We read in the book of Ezekiel, 
in chapter 36, verses 26 through 27, a great promise that God says, coming for the new covenant, I will give you a new heart, I'll put a new spirit in you, and I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you, and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I want you to know that every one of you in this room has been prayed for. That we had people that came and we prayed over these chairs and we prayed for each and every person that would be sitting here today. You've been brought before the throne of God today. And God says that I wanna take your heart of stone and I wanna make it a heart of flesh. When my kids were little, they always played with Play-Doh. And in the morning we get up and sometimes they left the lid off. What happened to the Play-Doh? It dried out. And they would bring the Play-Doh to me because their little hands weren't strong enough to make it back moldable and workable. Guess what God wants you to do today? He wants you to take your heart if it's got dried out. If you know you're not loving like you need to. If you know you're carrying some things you shouldn't carry. If you know you got some grievances. You know you've got some bitterness, you've got some resentment. My sister and I were talking one day and she had watched a movie and she told me about the movie. And the gist of the movie was this. She had seen it said, do you wanna hold your parent hostage? For that, even though that was a terrible thing, do you want to hold them hostage for all, everything else, but you're gonna hold them for that? And my sister said, brother, is that what you wanna do? And I thought to myself, do I want my kids to hold me hostage to whatever they, I would have done that's hurt them that I know or I don't know? Do I want them, that, that, do I want them to be so bound up as I was? No. I don't want that. I don't want to hold. I have to let go. Today, the Bible says, if you repent, if you surrender, I will bring you times of refreshment. And that word means you will breathe again. You ever have panic attacks? I did. I don't. To repentance, I can breathe. So today, if you don't even have never tasted of Jesus' forgiveness and Jesus' love and his ability to change your heart, this might be the day for you because today is still the day of salvation. There's still opportunities and he wants to rescue you because he delights in you. And I would encourage you to come down and there'll be people that will speak to you on the sides. 
But if you've already given your heart to Jesus, but you know you have a stronghold and you know you're stuck in your marriage, you know you're stuck in your parenting, you know you're stuck even in this church in some situations, and you know I need Jesus to change me, to help me. Won't you today come up here and lay it at the feet of Jesus? Will you give up your resentment today? Will you give up whatever grievance you got today? Will you give up whatever grudge you're holding today? Or will you at least come down and say, Jesus, I want you to start dealing with my deep waters. I remember a couple weeks ago, Kyle was talking about a gentleman that went to the men's retreat, didn't want to go and walked out, if you remember, and he was out and he saw a cliff. And it said, I heard it said, a little piece of that rock fell off. Not the whole thing, but you come and just, God wants to begin to unwrap you today. God wants to set you free today. Won't you surrender? Won't you give it all to Jesus today?